Welcome to the Diversity Matters in the Middle Market podcast, where industry leaders share their compelling growth stories and the unseen challenges they have overcome. Our goal is to inform and inspire our listeners to take action and make diversity, equality, and inclusion a pillar of your organization. This is a production of the Association for Corporate Growth, ACG, and Connection Builders. Hi, everyone. Welcome to an episode of the Diversity Matters in the Middle Market podcast. I'm your host, Alex Drost. Today, we are joined by Joshua Bergren, an attorney with Kelphy, Helter, and Griswold based in Cleveland, Ohio. Josh shares his experience as a member of the LGBT community and how he believes professional services firms can create a more inclusive and diverse culture. All right, let's jump in. Josh, welcome to the Diversity Matters in the Middle Market podcast. Excited to have you here today. Thank you very much, Alex. I'm excited to be here. So before we kick off, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Josh Bergren. I'm an associate attorney at Kelphy, Halter, and Griswold in Cleveland, Ohio, born and raised here in Cleveland. My experience is in real estate, real estate finance. So buying, selling, and leasing commercial real estate, as well as borrowing and lending. We also support the M&A groups on the real estate components of major M&A transactions and private equity deals. Awesome. Thank you. And Josh, you and I today, we really want to have a conversation around what does it mean to have a diverse culture? How can we create a culture of inclusivity in where firms and people and everyone can feel, I guess, more included and really helping to drive forward ultimately a more diverse and accepting workplace, right? So saying all that to start with, I would love just to turn over to you and ask you a question. Why is it important to have an inclusive workplace? Why should anyone even care to begin with on that? Sure. Well, fundamentally, I think it's the right thing to do. (laughs) It brings a lot of different viewpoints. Many people go through different experiences being part of the LGBT community. And it's just important to have different viewpoints and to bring people to the table. People have to overcome a lot of challenges to break into an industry that's really dominated by white males and Mm -hmm. to have an LGBT person voice at the table, I think provides invaluable input to how an organization treats its employees, to their hiring decisions, to how they serve and benefit their clients. So there's a couple of things I really want to unpack there, I think that you said are important. So the core of this, if I'm hearing you, is by creating a more inclusive culture and one that's more accepting, we're going to bring different viewpoints to the table. And in a number of the other Diversity Matters episodes, we've talked a lot about the value of different viewpoints. And I I think many of us know that different viewpoints can help create better decision-making. It can avoid groupthink. It can bring this diversity of thought that tends to have better outcomes. But what you also had pointed out there that I think is really important is it also says a lot about how people treat each other and how people work together and how people work with each other, both internally and externally. Can you share a little more of your thinking around that and how having an inclusive and diverse culture can actually foster, I think, better people interaction, both internally and externally? Sure. So I think if you're in a you know heteronormative environment all of your life, you think a certain way because you're not exposed mm-hmm. to people who have had different experiences than you. And those people with different experiences, it's not that they have more empathy or sympathy or can relate better, but they're just at a fundamental level. We go through things and we take things 
with a different lens. And it's important that other people recognize that not everyone thinks the same (laughs) and not everyone has the same experience. And I think you can better serve your clients that way. You can better serve not just in your professional career, but in your personal career at home, whether it's being more sensitive to issues that are affecting people other than yourselves. And I think that's just very important in any type of, whether it's a big firm environment or just a small or, you know, small family owned office, it's very important to understand where everyone's coming from and then tailor your services to them. I totally agree with that. Why? Let me just ask specifically for you. Why is it important for you? Like, how have you benefited? Because I know we've talked a little bit in the firm that you're in some of the environment you and I think you've said you felt relatively inclusive and you you felt welcomed and and it felt good in, in some aspects. Like, what has that done for you? What have you seen through that? Sure. So it's great to have, obviously, people that are like you at the same job. That being said, if that's not there, then to at least have people that are knowledgeable about certain LGBT issues and mm-hmm. that are trying to make a difference, like Calfi, the firm that I work for, I think they're trying to obtain the Mansfield Rule certification, which mm-hmm. is basically the firm allocates certain resources and makes certain decisions to try to foster and strive forwards towards diversity and inclusion. And that means something to the young gay law student that's trying to figure out what firm to go to because you really don't see many firms, at least when I was in law school 10 years ago, you don't see diversity and inclusion or LGBT committees on every firm's website. And even if you do, a kind of could just be like a placeholder, but firms that really put an emphasis on it and are allocating resources towards it, possibly forming committees to foster that type of growth. I think it's made all the difference for me in feeling comfortable. And especially the people that I work with, we obviously keep most things on a professional level, but you're at your place of employment more than you do anything else in this world. And to have people that are in your corner and are excited to also get to know you on a personal level is very important as well. So I feel like Kelfie's done a good job of helping me be surrounded with people that are welcoming and open and are willing to talk about things and foster diversity and inclusion. Today's episode is brought to you by Connection Builders, helping middle market professionals connect, grow, and excel in their careers. So Josh, I appreciate a lot of what you shared there. A couple things that jumped out to me. One, Allocating resources is important. Forming committees is important. I, I want to come back to that because that's, a, I think, a very distinct step that firms can take. But before we dive into that, you'd mentioned you were a, I think the way you'd phrased it was the young gay law student looking for where to go, right? And right. I take that and I, how I want people listening to think through this is one of the number one challenges that you talk to any professional services firm. What, what's the number one challenge right now? Talent, 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 right? Finding good talent. And ultimately, talent in the talent pool out there is growing in diversity. And I think we can all acknowledge that, especially with the up and coming generation, there is a greater sense of diversity as a whole in whether in all different facets of defining diversity. In your case, it was being the young gay student, young gay law student. For you, when you were in that position, and you were looking to find a firm and a place to go, what resonated? And like, what do you like about it? Help people 
here and thinking to someone sitting on the other side of the table, help them understand what, what they should be thinking about why that's important to recruiting that talent. Sure. So I think law schools do need to do a better job of fostering diversity and inclusion. I think it's a problem just in this strictly professional, whether it's finance or investment banking or law or any of those types Mm -hmm. of professions. I think it's daunting for anyone that's a minority to feel like they're going to have a place in these types of professions. So when I was in law school, and I went to law school in the South, I went down to law school at Elon University. I wanted to make sure that wherever I ended up was going to be a place that I felt comfortable being myself. And I felt comfortable making relationships with people that I work with. And that the environment that I was going to be in day in and day out was not only going to be good for business development, but also personal development. So I think that you look for, I guess when you're choosing a law school, you look for a career services or teachers or student groups and student organizations that put an emphasis on diversity and inclusion. I think when you are making your way through law school and interviewing at law firms, you kind of follow a similar path in the sense that I think you can get a really good idea. I think you can get a good idea of a law firm's efforts for diversity inclusion, whether they're going to be terrible, but I don't think you can get a fantastic idea without asking those questions and really understanding what types of resources and programs and committees are out there for you. The LGBT student groups don't have their own like career fair or on campus interviews. I think it's a, you know, kind of an underserved group in law schools, to be frank. Hmm. There's not as many opportunities to get in front of the major firms unless you're top in the class. So I think that one vehicle that law firms could consider adding more resources to is career fairs for diverse and minority students. Hmm. And I think that would go a long way. And I think that would really benefit their organizations as well. That's a really good point. I want to dig into something for a second. So you mentioned about being able to be comfortable where you're at and showing up. And I know when we had talked about when we were prepping for this, you and I had talked a little bit about showing up as yourself, being genuine, being authentic, and how that can really help you in the workplace and help in your performance. And you also had mentioned that the industry, whether that be law, investment banking, private equity, some CPA, the professional services industry as a whole can be daunting for anyone, anyone to get a job into. It is a very high-paced, high-tension, success-driven industry right? as a whole. So to begin with, we have this high-performing culture, this kind of intimidating environment. If I, on top of that, doubt myself for whatever reason, am doubtful of my own capabilities and reminding all of us that the biggest challenges we go through are in our own head, right? It's it's our own confidence. It's our own ability to like show up. That's really what allows us to do well in, in life and getting a job in this case, right? In this interview process as we kind of think through it. So if I myself feel unconfident because I don't feel included, I feel like I'm out of place. It doesn't feel like this is a place that I'm really welcome or that people really want to connect with me or accept me for who I am what's the effect on you as a person, right? I mean, just think, we all know that you're going to start doubting yourself more. You're not going to feel part of it. You're not going to be engaged. 
And all of those things take an individual and one, limit their ability to even maybe perform well in an interview process and, and even get into the organization. But if they are in the organization, their ability to really engage and be a good employee, right? Now, you do transaction type work. And I know you and I've talked about this a little. You're busy. You work a lot, right? How much time do you spend at work, right? You said you spend more time at work than many other places in life, especially as right. early on in, in your law career. That's very much part of the game, right? And you want to feel good about where you're at. You want to feel good about the people you surround yourself with and who you spend time with. And what does that do? That makes you more engaged. That makes you show up and put more effort in. It makes you be nicer to the clients when you're engaging with the clients. All all of these things are byproducts of creating this environment that people feel good about, right? Most definitely. And I think if there's one point that I want to hammer home that people are listening, it's that the professional services industries and careers, you know, as you mentioned, the private equity, the law, the finance, the investment banking, strictly by the numbers of people applying to these types of grad programs or applying to these types of positions, we're just a lot less than you would think. And then you add on this professional services component, which is high stress, transaction based, very like white, hetero, male dominated and driven. I think a lot of LGBT students are not off put, but are hesitant if they're not completely secure in who they are and just forget it completely if they're not out of the closet, <laughs> you know, because wow. these types of jobs really open you up to all different types of situations where you're either constantly coming out and explaining who you are to people, which is great, which is fine. And I do that on a daily basis. And I'll probably be doing that for the rest of my life, just because it's not the straight hetero path that everyone else has taken. So if you're in the closet and you don't see diversity inclusion or LGBT friendly or or no people that are in these professions, definitely becomes daunting to wade into those waters. So if there's anything that I want people listening to know, it's that we do exist. We are here. And it would be great for there to be more resources and more programs and more committees and more opportunities. And I think starting a group or starting any of those types of organizations is very important. And I would welcome anyone to reach out to me to talk about developing those ideas or developing those goals, or just if they have questions about being gay in a transaction-driven career. Josh, I I really appreciate that. We'll make sure when we get to the end of the recording, we can share ways for listeners to get in touch with you. I think you're hitting on some really important points around what can organizations do? They have to make people feel welcome. And I want to just talk for a minute on, and specifically for the LGBT community. And and again, as a a white hetero male, I can't relate to this. I can only speak to the conversations I had, the experience I have, and just my own, even our dialogue here is I have thoughts running in my mind. And you point out that recognizing if someone identifies as the LGBT community, you may not know that at all. And so there may be people who are to this day living with a secret that they don't want to tell anyone in the workplace. Think about if, if you were that person. Think about if you had those thoughts internally, like how that would actually feel to carry with you on a day-to-day basis. I don't know if that would necessarily be fun. And it certainly wouldn't be a place where you felt like you could get involved. And to your point that you made, if organizations, firms can create ways that are accepting, open, and welcoming to it, it's going to help people feel more and more welcome and to be and to show up more and more as themselves. 
and I think we've already hit on this, I think that will drive better employee engagement, better outcomes for clients, better effectiveness in, in work product and in all the, the business things that make business sense. But ultimately, you're also, as you we started this entire dialogue, why does it matter? It's just the right thing to do because like, damn it, the person's going to feel better coming to work. And like, don't you want to create that in its own? Everything else is just a benefit that also comes along with it. Right. Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. I wish that I could tell you all of the investment banks that I work with or all of the CPA firms that we engage or the private equity firms that I do work with on a daily basis are that way. I'd like to think that most of them are. However, it's difficult for me to find out about (laughs) other diversity programs that these firms have. So I think like one way to really make it known that these professions are becoming more inclusive and are becoming more diverse are to have conversations like these. So I think it's important for it to get out there that even though it is male, you know, straight male dominated, that diversity inclusion is extremely important and everyone should be taking the steps necessary to effectuate a change because I think organizations will be better off for those changes. Today's episode is brought to you by the Association for Corporate Growth, the premier M&A deal-making community with a mission to drive middle market growth. So let's go back then. How do we make these changes happen? We know that we're going to be better off because of it. What do we do? Two things you said earlier that I thought were important, allocating resources and forming committees. So let's talk through. What are your thoughts? Why did those two things help drive change at firms and help kind of make diversity and inclusion a wider I guess, just more prevalent across the organization. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I can speak for Calfi at this point, or at least what I've seen that Calfi's done. You know, they've created this diversity and inclusion committee here at the firm where the goal is to host events. With COVID, obviously, it's been kind of put on hold in a sense for the last couple of years, having in-person events. But for the most part, that type of committee just gets people thinking. A blast email to the 500 employees who don't experience diversity at home because everyone is hetero and don't really have an opportunity to listen to the LGBT Chamber of Commerce, what's on their agenda for the day, or figure out you know what's going on in the state of Ohio with respect to LGBT rights in the workplace. I think it's very helpful to have a diversity and inclusion committee, whether just send out a blast email and let people know what legislation is currently being debated, or to actually put people together and have events with something like the LGBT Chamber of Commerce or GLAAD or a Center for LGBT Rights or something like that. So I think those types of committees really put it on people's radar when in our fast-paced, busy industry, most people don't have time to go out on their own and learn about those things. I think firms fostering that kind of inclusion is very important. And then allocating resources is, is, you know, is similar to the committees because the, obviously the committees require resources, but more than anything in hiring, in going to law schools and conducting interviews for LGBT and minority groups, I think is super important. Again, when I was in law school 10 years ago, we did not have that. I'm not sure if that's going on right now. I don't think it's going on right now. So really just allocating the resources to make sure that we're actually putting in the effort and trying to track down these people that are brave enough to enter you know, these type of professions in the first place. I think that last point's important to remember. It's brave enough to show up anyway, to be here to begin with. And 
if you have someone that's brave enough to do that, why would you not want to create the opportunities to get that person into your firm? And I'll tell you, people that decide to enter the profession anyways, without any type of guarantee that the workplace that they're going to be at is going to be diverse or inclusive, or the law school that they're going to is going to provide them with every opportunity, usually turn out to be your star players because yeah, they've, underdogs. they are very comfortable in themselves and they're yep. go-getters and they're ready to just take the world by storm regardless of what comes their way. So I think as long as, as firms and other types of companies in these heavily male-dominated industries could really benefit from hiring those types of individuals. I couldn't agree more. When the world's stacked against people and, and they persevere with and keep pushing on, those tend to be the rock stars. Those tend to be the people that can blast through all walls and all barriers to continue to prove themselves daily and, and takes a lot of a lot of confidence to be there. So hats off to everyone that is in that situation. So Josh, a, a question that I, I want to go back to quickly on the forming committees, because I think you made some really important points around just go and create this opportunity for your people in your firm to understand, to learn more, but to create an, a more accepting environment. You did say Kelsey has a diversity and inclusion or an LGBT committee. Which of the committees was it that I hear? A diversity and inclusion committee. Yeah. Okay. And is LGBT a focus or is it something that that's an effort is made around? Yeah, most definitely. It may be called diversity and inclusion slash LGBT committee, or it may just be diversity and inclusion committee. Again, it, since COVID has happened, it hasn't been too active. That being said, you can go on our website and learn more about it. And, and I think at least the goals that are set out and what they're trying to do is in the right direction, most definitely, because they are actively thinking about it. As I said, they're trying to get Mansfield ruled certified, which just means you've made certain hiring decisions and allocated certain resources towards diversity and inclusion. So that's something that I think is important that all firms should do. That's great. And a kind of a following question with that, what I'm trying to ask here, what I'm trying to pull yeah. out is is the committee filled with everyone that is diverse themselves? Or are there white men helping or less diverse people helping to try to foster and push this? Yes. So when I joined, the people that were in charge of the committee were not part of the LGBT community. That being said, I think it's great that people who are not part of the LGBT community are trying to further diversity and inclusion through that type of committee, even though they're not they identify as an ally rather than part of that group yep. themselves. You hit on literally the exact word I, I wanted to drive towards ally, right? And, and this is really me speaking to I'm someone who finds myself in a much less diverse group than others. And knowing that the best I can do, I can't change who I am. I can't change my life. It is what it is. But what I can do is I can try to be an ally. I can try to go out there and create greater awareness and push and strive to create initiatives that can help drive forward change and a broader acceptance and a broader awareness that is going to make it better for everyone. And, and so all of that to say, when we talk about this idea of forming committees, if you're listening and you want to affect change, and you want to build a culture that is inclusive and that embraces diversity, take the initiative, go do it. Go start something. Go start pushing to create the committee and push in your recruiting department to try to look and know that over time, being an ally is what's going to help really affect the change long term in all of this. Most definitely. Look, when I was looking at the firm and I saw that diversity and inclusion committee on its website, I didn't know too much about the inner workings of it. But more than anything, that immediately was like, okay, they're making an effort and I want to find out more about that. Mm -hmm. And when I was going through the interview process, I found out 
more about that. And it was definitely appealing to me because most of the firms that I was looking at did not even have any mention on their website or any mention in the interview or really any thought process behind that. But I think it's the 21st century. We're in the 2020s now. I think a lot more firms are gravitating towards having those types of committees and allocating the research. So I think it's positive. Definitely not enough just yet. I feel like we have many more years before it is enough. But that being said, the effort is being made, at least at some firms that I've seen, and and I'm happy to see that happen. Well, and with that said, then for our listeners, how can they get in touch with you? And I want them to be able to reach out to you to ask questions about this. and, And so you can share some of the insights that you've had to help others get a running start at this. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. You can message me on LinkedIn, just Joshua Bergeron, or you can go to Calfee's website, or you can, I don't know if you, you want me to give my contact information over this or... We'll link it in the, uh, the show notes here. For we'll people. link the contact information in the bio. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Josh, this was a great conversation. Really appreciate it. I, I think we covered some really good ground there for our listeners. I, I hope you enjoyed and I, I hope you'll take action. I hope you can go out and continue to drive change here, everyone. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, it was a pleasure being here. I really enjoyed the conversation and looking forward to the next series. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of the Diversity Matters in the Middle Market podcast. We hope you enjoyed our content and encourage you to take action today. While no individual will bring all the change necessary, we can all make an impact. If you enjoyed our content, please share with your network. This is a production of the Association for Corporate Growth, ACG, and Connection Builders. 